Welcome to Unleashing Your Great Work, a podcast about doing the work that matters the most to you. I'm your host, Dr. Amanda Kroll, a cognitive psychologist, coach, and the creator of the Great Work Journals. Every week on this podcast, we are asking the big questions. What is great work and why does it matter so much to us? What does it take to do more of your great work without sacrificing everything else? And how does the world change when more people are doing more of the work that matters the most to them? So whether your great work is building your own small business or managing a remote team at a multinational company, you'll find insight and answers here. Welcome, everybody, to the Unleashing Your Great Work podcast. Today, I could not be more excited to welcome Diane DiNapoli. She is a penguin expert, a TEDx speaker, and an award-winning author. Her first book, The Great Penguin Rescue, chronicles her experience helping to manage the rescue of 40,000 penguins from an oil spill in South Africa. Her second book, called All About Penguins, is a children's book about penguin biology and behavior for young kids. Diane teaches audiences of all ages about penguin conservation and about pursuing their wildest dreams. Welcome to the podcast, Diane. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here with you today. I'm so excited that you're here. I love the work that you do and how uniquely or how effectively you are able to combine this very traditional like conservation work. Like I'm a scientist and I do this work alongside really inspirational messages about, um, you know, following your wildest dreams, despite, um, any setbacks or unexpected starts. So tell me a little bit about your great work, Diane. I think my great work is sort of twofold. Mm -hmm. So the foundation of it and how it really started is, I worked at the New England Aquarium for nine years, took care of the penguins there. During that time, as you said, I helped manage this massive rescue, penguin rescue in South Africa. And that really sort of galvanized me. Mm. Um, moving forward from that, I'm like, I just, I want to do whatever I can to help penguins. And so when I left the aquarium and started my company, The Penguin Lady, mm-hmm. my mission statement is raising awareness and funding to protect threatened and endangered penguins. So I donate part of my proceeds of everything I do, um, you know, from my books, from my appearances to penguin conservation. Wow. So that sort of is the foundation. But what has happened as sort of this unexpected result of doing this work and getting out and speaking and sharing this story uh, is that people kept asking me, yeah, this is amazing stuff. And I want to know more about you. And how did you carve mm-hmm. out this like really unique, fascinating career? Uh, and so they wanted to kind of hear my story of, of this career. Like, how did that happen? Yeah. So it was just sort of very organic. Uh, and I was asked to give this talk to kids, to grownups, all ages. And And what I found was that people were getting really inspired by it. Mm -hmm. And I get letters, I mean, still to this day, I'll get letters from people saying, you know, I saw you speak and it made me want to go into marine biology or pursue whatever my dream is. And that to me is the most moving and gratifying thing to know that 
my sort of finally pursuing my dream, because I did this late in life, I was a late bloomer, but that that has inspired other people of all ages as well to pursue what they're passionate about. So well, it's sort of two things. Tell us then, Diane, how did you get here? What is this amazing story that's inspiring people of all ages? So I always loved animals. I always loved the ocean. I grew up near the ocean, but I was bonkers for dolphins. So <laughs> penguins were never even on my radar until I was in my thirties. Mm -hmm. And I always dreamed about working with dolphins, but it seemed like this totally impossible dream. Like, how mm -hmm. do you get to do that? You know, mm -hmm. anyone could tell me that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so that just sort of went into the back of my mind, but it was always, if somebody said, what's your fantasy job, if you could do anything, no, you know, whatever. I always say, oh, I'd be a dolphin trainer. Nah. I can't do that. And then finally, and so I did a bunch of other things. I was a ski bum in Colorado. I was a waitress. I was a silversmith. I did all these things. A silversmith. I was a silversmith. I made jewelry for eight years. Fascinating. And actually part of that is what led me to finally doing this because the last few years of making jewelry, I created a line of endangered species jewelry because wow. I loved animals. I wanted to help them. And I donated the proceeds from that line to penguin uh, animal conservation groups and environmental groups. And, and I did sort of start thinking, I want to be doing something more tangible, more concrete to help animals. And then for my 30th birthday, my parents gave me an Earthwatch expedition. Ooh. And for people that might not be familiar with Earthwatch, mm -hmm. it's a nonprofit organization and you essentially go, uh, it's like a working vacation. Mm -hmm. So you pay to go someplace in the world and it's usually science-based uh, and you're helping a research gather their data. Mm -hmm. And there was a four week expedition to Hawaii to work with dolphins. And I said, sign me up for that. Wow. Yeah. And what that did, that was a transformational moment. You know, it, it was one of these, I, I was there for a month. Mm -hmm. It was the best month of my life. And mm -hmm. when I was leaving, I thought I have to do this. Like it reactivated that dream. Mm -hmm. And I knew they had um, internships, full, full semester internships. And so I applied but I was rejected because I didn't have the right degree. I had a liberal arts degree. Uh -huh. So I actually went back to college to get a degree that would allow me to apply for the internship. Not even a guarantee I would get it. Wow. Like another four year bachelor's yeah. degree? A four year. Yeah. I got a bachelor of science degree in animal what? science. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So then what happened? You got the internship. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> I got the, and in fact, I didn't even re reapply. I just had been sort of, I made friends with one of the researchers and mm -hmm. we had just sort of been in touch. And all of a sudden one day I get this letter in the mail saying, congratulations, you've been accepted for a summer internship. Like, you didn't apply to it. Wow. That was how the whole thing started. But then where I always say the dolphins led me to the penguins because mm -hmm. I had that internship, um, I had that internship before graduating, but my senior year was all internships. And, and my last one was at the New England Aquarium in Boston in the penguin department. Mm -hmm. And that was my first introduction to the mm -hmm. penguins. And they kind of, you know, they, they captured my heart and my imagination. And, and what happened really when I graduated, I had to make this choice. Do I stick around in Boston and work with the penguins at the aquarium, try and get a job there? Yeah. Or do I go back to Hawaii or maybe the Bahamas and work with dolphins, which really is my first love. Mm -hmm. 
But what kept me in Boston was that my parents were aging. Yeah. And I had this feeling, this intuitive sense that I was going to be needed mm-hmm. nearby. And in fact, that is what ended up happening. So, you know, that decision sort of based more on family obligation. I never in a million years could have predicted all the incredible places that would have taken yeah. me. Yeah. So you ended up actually getting a job at the Boston Aquarium. And then did you, were you a lowly intern there? Did you work your way up to being the head of Penguin Rescue? (laughs) Yeah, I started off as an intern. So I had that four month internship. Yeah. And then at the end of that internship, I stayed as a weekly volunteer because I saw (laughs) that Mm -hmm. the people that got hired were the people that were around around as a volunteer, right? Yep. Yeah. And they, you know, most of people are hired from within that pool of volunteers and interns. So I stuck around. Um, I was, after graduating, I had a job in a small animal hospital as a veterinary nurse. So I was doing that, but I was volunteering my one day a week at the aquarium. And then finally, because jobs did not open up often, uh, finally a position opened up. So I think I was volunteering and interning for a year and a half before a position okay. opened up. Wow. And yeah. what was that position? Was it just a yeah, it was sort of, you know, first level penguin okay. aquarist. Yeah. Um, no, there's only three you. people in the whole department. So oh, okay. Yeah. And in the penguin department. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Yeah. Wow. And then yeah, you kind of work your way up. And so I think I became a senior penguin aquarist. Oh no, you're you know what you're reminding me. I was assistant aquarist at first. I forgot about that. I was an <laughs> assistant aquarist. And then I was an aquarist, and then finally. I was a senior aquarist. And I think that happened around year three or four, which is okay. sort of a traditional path. You really moved up pretty fast, actually. Yeah. But yeah. that I don't think that was unusual there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And then off you went to South off Africa. Went. Yeah. The senior parent. So that was my third year as staff. I'd been there for five years working with penguins, but my third year as staff is when that oil spill took place. And so two of us, left to go to South Africa to help manage that rescue effort. There were eight of us on our team from different zoos and aquariums, but two of us from the New England Aquarium that were on that first flight over to Cape Town to help with the rescue. Wow, amazing. So I wanna hear more about like what it was like for you because these sound like hugely brave decisions to go back and get a, I mean, get another four-year degree with the hope that you would, and you know, what's fascinating is like, you're very well known in the world of penguins from what I can tell, and you don't have a PhD Mm-mm. and yet you're really making amazing things happen in this space. So I'm just, I feel like you're such an inspiration for the people who just love something and want to go for it. So I want to just hear like, was that easy for you? Was it hard for you? Like, did you struggle? Like, what did it feel like to take such big leaps in the direction of your dreams? Uh, it was, I don't know if it was brave or crazy. Uh-huh. <laughs> so <laughs> head in hand, I feel. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was certainly scary. It, it wasn't, you know, there were no guarantees. Yeah. Right. But I think maybe the advantage of being a little bit older when I started this sort of a late bloomer Mm. is I had finally, and what really I think enabled me to do it, to finally pursue it and to take these crazy risks Mm -hmm. is I finally had found 
belief in myself and confidence, which I did not have when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And what also happened was when I was at, you know, that intern, the, the earth watch in Hawaii at the end of that month. And I realized as I was staying there crying my last day, because I just didn't want to leave ever. (laughs) Ever. I was like in heaven squared, you know, (laughs) like I can't imagine anything greater than this. Um, And I was sitting there crying. And I remember thinking, I have to pursue this because I I don't know if I can make it happen. I'm much older than, you know, all the other applicants. There's so many reasons this wouldn't happen or work. But I knew in that moment that I did not want to get to the end of my life Mm -hmm. and look back and regret that I hadn't at least tried to do it. Right. Because that would feel really crappy. Always wondering, what if? Mm. What if? Could I have done it? And not knowing would have made me crazy. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, you talk about, you know, I listen to well, most of your podcasts and, <laughs> great, Thank you. and, and you start off by talking about death, right? Yeah, I do. And, and that was sort of one of those moments like anticipating. Yeah. What if I'm at the moment of my, I'm on my deathbed Yeah. and I didn't go for it. I didn't at least try. Right. Right. Yeah. But, and you did. And it's such a great example of like, I don't know, it's like a 1980s movie that wasn't even that great. It called Sliding Doors with Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. She like in one alternate universe, she goes through the door and, and then catches her husband in a in affair or whatever. And the other one, she doesn't. And we, we watch both of these play out. And I feel like your experience is such a good example of like, you can kind of see where it was headed. Like you would have done interesting things. I mean, while you were being, you know, uncertain about yourself or whatever, you were making amazing jewelry and, and giving back. Like you were going to be an amazing person either way. And yet to not have had the opportunity to do what just was calling you from the inside, from the beginning is like, oh man, what a good story. So good. And you know what I really love about it? Is it what? like you did it, right? And off you went to South Africa and then you came back and you wrote a book and you continued to work there. And then now you had a new dream. I'm going to do a new thing. It wasn't the end. It wasn't all there was to you. It was really just the beginning. So tell us about the next iteration of Diane DiNapoli, the Penguin Lady. That, you know, I've been thinking a lot about that lately. It's such an interesting thing. And I've been having this conversation in the last few weeks because, you know, when I left the aquarium, it wasn't that I wasn't happy in my job. It wasn't that I didn't love what I was doing. I mean, I did have a toxic coworker that mm-hmm. made the job very stressful mm-hmm. um, and was the reason every single person left that position, that, oh. that, that department. Um, but it was really sort of this, I think my mother dying yeah. that made me realize I, I, this just, even though I love what I'm doing, I'm passionate about it. I, I, my, for my mental, my own mental health right now, I just need to step back. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know what I was going to do when I left. I had no idea. And that was scary too. Wow. I mean, luckily at the time I had a partner, so, you know, we could support mm-hmm. each other through these times of yeah. insecurity, job insecurity. Yeah. Um, but I knew I wanted to still do something to do with animals and teaching people about them, you know, probably penguins. Um, and, and it took me, I went to a workshop uh, the next year run by Valerie Young, who did this thing called work at what you love. She'd have these courses. And 
And it was sort of there that it all crystallized. I'm like, I know I'm going to bring the, the penguin lady thing on the road. I'm going to teach other people about penguins. I'm going to donate part of my proceeds to conservation. And that was sort of the beginning. And what I think is so fascinating when you're, I, and especially I think when you are doing your great work mm-hmm. is, you, you know, you have this dream and it seems like, oh, that's way off. And that's going to be, how am I going to do that? I don't even know. Mm-hmm. And it seems like, is it even possible? Right. Yeah. And then you work, you do the work, you do the thing, you figure it out and you finally get there. And then you can have the next step in the dream. Like, yeah. Like, you, yeah, and you can't, and you know, like it's sort of like climbing a ladder or steps, right? And each mm-hmm. each rung on the ladder you climb, or each step you climb, you then have the courage to go. Oh, wait a minute! There's something bigger I can try or different. Mm-hmm. And and it's sort of everything I've done has sort of been like that. It's sort of keep dreaming bigger, keep dreaming dreaming bigger, keep dreaming bigger. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, it's other people saying to me. Mm-hmm. you can do bigger things than you're doing right now. Wow. You know, I'm like, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Maybe>? yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's interesting. Cause like that, I feel like what you're describing is exactly right. And I wonder if this resonates with your experience. This is how it's been for me. Every time I reach that point where I'm like, I'm doing the thing mm-hmm. that seemed so impossible. Mm-hmm. And then I look and I turn and I look at the next thing and it seems completely impossible. And I feel like I'm it's like, I haven't grown at all. It's like, I'm still like, there's no way I can't figure it out. But the only thing that's changed is that like over time of reaching for these bigger things, the only thing I've really gained is a sense that I can figure it out. Mm-hmm. It's as Marie Foyler would say, it's figure outable. I don't know how, I don't know who, I don't know where it's going to take me, but I can start walking in that direction. Mm-hmm. And that's really the, um, has that been your experience as well? hundred mm-hmm. percent. And I think that's the scary and exciting part of the journey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if you can let yourself like feel the fear and do it anyway, right. Mm-hmm. Like just believe that you'll figure it out. Yeah. And, and for me too, it kind of goes back to the penguin rescue where during that experience, I mean, that was the most incredibly difficult thing I'd done in my life. It, it was so massive. I literally, the day after we got there, my colleague and I from the New England Aquarium were put in charge of a room that had 4,500 oiled penguins in it. Oh my gosh. What did yeah. you do with them? Tell us briefly, like, what were you doing with these penguins? Washing them down with Dove soap? Like well, what? there were people in another air in the washroom, washing them down with a, a local thing that they use. I didn't use Dove, but, um, our roles in our room was basically keep these penguins alive until it was their turn to be watched. I mean, there were 20,000 penguins that were oiled. Oh my gosh. And 16,000 of them were in this one building that we were in. And so wow. the day after we arrived, we're given this job of get them fed, train the volunteers, oh manage the volunteers. We had a few hundred volunteers a day in our room alone. There were four wow. massive rooms in this warehouse. And honest to God, I mean, it was the most terrifying moment of my entire life when they said, okay, this is your job, go do it with no training. I mean, just right. go there and do it, Right. you right. know, use your experience that you have and uh-huh. extrapolate from there, figure it out, <laughs> figure it out. Terrifying, <laughs> terrifying. terrifying, but in the end, what happened was, you know, because we were in their beginnings, they're in the beginning. So we were sort of helping to set up systems and train people and put things into place. And we ended up in the end, 
you know, we were there for the first uh, three weeks. The mm -hmm. whole thing was three months long, mm -hmm. but ultimately 95% of the penguins were saved. And, <gasps> yay. and I, it was, I mean, it was, yeah, yay. I mean, amazing. <laughs> yeah. It was the largest and most successful animal rescue that's ever taken place. Wow. And halfway through, I was actually moved from the center I was at to a different center to, for a sort of a higher management position there. Mm -hmm. And put in charge, you know, given even more responsibility, which again freaked me out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I thought, are you sure about this? <laughs> like, <laughs> and they're like, no, we have faith in you, Diane. We know you can do this. We know you have the skills. I'm like, I'm not so sure. Uh, and I went and I was, I messed things up the first day or two that I was there, totally screwed mm -hmm. things up, mm -hmm. quickly learned from my mistakes, figured things out. And by the end of my nine days at that location, they were begging me to stay. And what I realized from this, because again, it was other people who saw potential in me that saw these abilities in me that I wasn't sure I had mm -hmm. that made me believe in myself. And what that experience did, it left me with this unshakable belief in myself and my abilities. Wow. I learned I was capable of so much more than mm -hmm. I'd ever dreamed possible. Wow. That's a huge gift, huge and, and everlasting. Like I, that will never go away. Yeah. You know? And so I think that is a big part of going back to the original question. I think that is a big part of what has allowed me to take these chances and these risks and to keep aiming higher and to keep trying the next thing and to keep, you know, thinking bigger. Mm. I'm not saying that I don't ever feel incompetent or I don't know how to do that or mm -hmm. that's impossible. I'm not saying that, but, but I, you know, I still know like I, if I can dig down deep enough, I, I can get there. I can do it. Hey, if you're enjoying this podcast, you've got to check out the great work community. The great work community is where change-making entrepreneurs make drama-free progress together. Come on over for a co-working accountability coaching, and just-in-time courses. Check out The Great Work Community. The link is in the show notes. Yeah. So very practically, thinking of a moment when, because I, I feel like um, I love it too, but the uh, any of these uh, quotes or whatever, like, feel the fear and do it anyways, are, are like just so <laughs> inadequate when you're really, really scared to do mm -hmm. something. And so I'm wondering, like, if you think about a moment when you are feeling inadequate, like what literally goes through your head? Like, what do you do to help yourself kind of acknowledge what's happening? Well, I'm not going to tell you because I don't want to lead the witness, but like, you know, like what, <laughs> what do you do to get through moments like that? Because when you're doing huge, important, critical things and you mess up, it feels like, like the whole world stops for a minute. Oh, yeah. And then recovering from that is quite the skill. So tell us a little bit about it. Maybe even tell us a story about that. Why? That's a really difficult question. I don't know if I've thought about what do I literally do? Mm -hmm. um, so I'm thinking back to that first day where I just screwed things up in South Africa. I literally almost caused like a bunch of penguins to drown in the pool when they were, yeah. Like what happened? Tell us, tell us what happened. <laughs> So tell us about your worst moment in the penguin rescue. Yeah, my worst moment in the penguin rescue was, you know, every day you had to, the penguins were being washed. And then normally under normal situation, when you don't have 
20,000 penguins to clean, you'd give them a 20 minute rinse with high pressure hoses. Well, we couldn't spend 20 minutes rinsing every penguin, right? After getting all the soap off. Right. And they can't re-oil their feathers until all the soap is off. So you would swim them every day for like 45 minutes, right? To help them rinse that soap off themselves. So uh-huh. one day, the one the reason I was sent there was that the birds weren't all getting swum. They weren't going to be released soon enough. You know, all this pressure was building. So go there, figure out what they need. Mm-hmm. Come back to us, the rescue directors, and let us know what they need mm-hmm. um, and get those birds swum. You need to get more birds swum. So, okay, I'm on it. Gonna so, go swim the birds. Yeah. So I go and I basically put more penguins into the pool than they had been doing, uh-huh. which essentially caused panic amongst the penguins. Oh no. Yeah. And then as I'm trying to escort them out of, you know, there's this ramp that goes into the pool and it's a shallow pool. You're standing in it to it's the water's up to your knees, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the penguins can't stand up in that. It's a little tall for them to stand. And so there's a doorway that goes against the pool wall to this ramp. And what was happening were some of these penguins in their panic to get out were getting caught behind that doorway and sort of trampling each other underwater. Oh my like gosh. Pushing each other like underwater. like a fire in a club. Oh, it was awful. Mm. And 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 I'm thinking, oh my God, they, they sent me here to help and I'm gonna cause all these penguins to either drown or get aspiration pneumonia from Aww. inhaling all this water. Like, this is so bad. And then I finally realize what's happening is the, the volunteers are standing there right at the gate and they're uh-huh. actually scaring the penguins from getting uh-huh. out. So uh-huh. I start yelling and swearing at them. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not what you do, but I did. Right, right, right. Just everything like that could go wrong went wrong. There was more. And I think, you know, I was, I got reamed out the next day, actually. Because um, yeah. I went back to the rescue director said, okay, they need more pools. You need to build more pools. They need this. They need that. They need this. I kind of said, these are what they need. What happened when I went back that next morning, this had gotten back to them. And they accuse me of being a spy and you know, like all this crazy oh stuff. Right? I'm like, I'm just trying to help the penguins. Right. <laughs> you right. know, I felt like a lamb being led to slaughter. It was oh, horrible. brutal. And I cried. I didn't want to go back. And he, they said, look, we really need you there. We know you can do this. We know you can figure it out. Yeah. And I said, okay, if you really believe that and you really need me there, I will go. I, I sort of against like under duress, I will yeah. go back. Yeah. But you know, what happened was I just sort of recalibrated. Um, I, I just sort of, I think I took a step back is what I did. Yeah. I took a step back to observe more mm-hmm. instead of like going in guns blaring. Right. Mm-hmm. I can do this. I can fix it. I, I, I kind of stepped back, observed mm-hmm. and really sort of thought, okay, what is really necessary here? Yeah. And then by day three, I'd kind of figured it out. And, and by day three, people were now starting to come to me and ask me questions and ask my advice. So mm-hmm. there was a shift, I think in my approach Yeah. Um, that sort of made all the difference. Yeah. There's yeah. a, like, so there's a couple things I hear in there, like when I'm like, what is it really? And I feel like, first of all, it wasn't that day, you know, like you cried mm-hmm. because, because when you make a mistake, it hurts you too, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like you're blithely making mistakes and think it's fine. Right. Like you didn't yeah. want those penguins to get aspiration. Like you were there to help them. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a way that we like, we try to skip the part where we're upset because everything's fine and that never works. So be upset first. And then it's like, 
go back and let people have their feelings and, you know, you have whatever reaction you're going to have. And then I think it's like, I think one of the hardest parts of doing great work when, after you've made a mistake is that you have to then show up and retread your Mm -hmm. path for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like, and in a fast moving penguin rescue, it's three days. (laughs) (laughs) People are like, okay, fine. She's back to being the penguin lady. She's got the answers. We all make mistakes, whatever. We're over it. Um, so that's really interesting. Thank you for sharing that story with us. I'm sure it was very difficult. <laughs> Thank you for asking. It was very difficult in the moment. It was, it was yeah. a, a big low point. Like I, yeah, I was, uh, the, I struggled that I'll tell you that day was bad. Yeah. <laughs> was but you know what? Day. You would not have the same unshakable belief in yourself if that hadn't happened. Don't you think? That's a very good point. Yeah. Cause yeah. we are all cast in fire and stone. Mm-hmm. Right. Because of, because then afterwards I did figure it out. Yeah. Right. And so those were those moments of when you do the thing you think you cannot do. Mm-hmm. And that was, I mean, boy, I'm telling you, was that rescue a thing? I don't think any of us thought we could do. It yeah. was the largest rescue of animals that had ever been attempted in the history of the world. Amazing. No one knew if it was even possible. Yeah. And to do it and to actually do it well, mm-hmm. ultimately, mm-hmm. you know, together, it's not just me, obviously, of course, right? Of yeah, <laughs> right. like a huge collaboration, an international collaboration. But I, you know, there were things that I was responsible for and I did figure them out eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, that I think when you, when you confront yourself, when you sort of confront the thing you think you absolutely could not ever do mm-hmm. and you do it, and you don't die. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you actually do it well. Uh-huh. You're like, oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. If I can do that. And this is how I, I, the thing I thought after that was if I could do that, I could do absolutely anything. Mm-hmm. I really, I mean, I, I thought that many times if I could do that, cause that was so freaking hard. I could do anything. Wow. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Amazing. So I'm going to just switch gears a little. We've talked a little bit about the struggle. I want to hear about the joy of being the penguin lady, both um, getting to be around animals, which sounds like it just brings your heart joy. Mm -hmm. Um, But also when you're talking to groups of people, like, tell me about what do you love about this work? Mm. I think what one of the real joys for me I mean, I love sharing these stories. I love sort of raising people's awareness and, and hopefully, you know, they're going to start caring maybe about something they didn't even think about before. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's been really, really gratifying is whether I'm talking about the penguin rescue or I'm talking about, you know, my sort of career journey, right. Yeah. Is, is having people either come up to me at the end of the talk or, or write me a letter afterwards mm-hmm. and, and just say that it either, it changed them somehow, it inspired them, it moved them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I remember when I, my first TEDx talk was TEDx Boston in 2011. Mm-hmm. And at the end of that talk, I, I, you know, I'm telling the penguin rescue story. And there was a moment that wasn't even in the script because you have to do a script when you do TEDx's, yeah, which right. I'm not used to doing. And um <laughs> And there was a moment that was not scripted, but I just sort of threw it in there in the moment. And it was, I said, you know, last week, a a 10 year old asked me, what did it feel like 
when you first walked into that huge rescue center and saw all those oiled penguins. Mm -hmm. and, and I literally, when that kid asked, I kind of, I, I brought me right back there and I got choked up and I started to cry. And when I repeated that at my TEDx, I kind of got a little choked up. I'm like, no, hold it together, Diane. You can't start crying, right? So I kept going. But afterwards at the reception, four or five men wow. all walked up to me and said and did the exact same thing. They all put a hand on my shoulder and said, that was amazing. You made me cry. <gasps> right? <laughs> yeah. Wow. And I was so stunned every time. I just, I was floored by that. And mm -hmm. I thought, oh my God, like there's a power in this story. And clearly there's a power in the way I'm telling it. Mm -hmm. And I think it was that moment of vulnerability, right? Mm -hmm. when, when I shared that, that emotion of it um, and that moment of vulnerability was what touched them. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that is, you know, whenever I am, it still happens from time to time when I'm giving a talk unexpectedly, mm -hmm. I'll start to get choked up. Yeah. Uh, because it was such a transformational, unforgettable, powerful, powerful experience. Um, and so when I can touch someone else with that, when they feel it, when they, or if it reminds them, you know, of something in their life or something they want to do, that is, is so, it's very moving whenever it happens. I cry every time I get a letter from someone who says, I went back to college to become a marine biologist, you know, because I've always wanted to do this or whatever it is. Like I get letters like that. And I, I do every time it kind of brings me to tears. Like, I can't believe that me just doing, like following my heart, following my passion, doing what I love, that that inspires other people in this way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think this is true for anybody, right? Like when we do what lights us up, yeah, we cannot help but light up people around us, right? In mm -hmm. some way. Mm -hmm. And, and I think if we can all kind of do more of that and spread the light, yeah, you know, yeah. like, yeah, the world's gonna be a better place for all of us. Oh, so true. Well, and I think that how so many people, since I've started this podcast, and I mean, I started this podcast because I was hearing from so many people that like, I, yeah, I want to do what I want to do. Like, I want to do what calls me from the inside, but also like I'm trapped. I've got golden handcuffs. I have a powerful, competitive, difficult to get job that I hate, but, but nobody else, you know, I make a lot of money or my partner doesn't want any more disruption or, and yet in our heart of hearts, what we really want is to do what lights our own heart on fire. Mm -hmm. And you are a living, breathing specimen of somebody who said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to do it. And so you're so inspiring to so many people because it's very clear that it really is what you loved. Mm. It's not some like game that you're playing, yes. right? You're not like out here, like you ended up randomly in a place where something amazing happened and you're trying to like parlay that into some sort. Like this was your actual passion, one foot in front of the other following the light. And then you turn around and tell all of this. It's so obvious that you really did do it it gives so much hope to the notion that we can, that if we are brave, like you were brave, we can do it too. Mm. It's a miracle. 
gosh, this is like maybe one of my favorite uh, interviews ever. Um, (laughs) I love it so much. So Diane, I am thinking that a lot of people are wondering how they can learn more about you. And I want you to tell us your standard stuff about your website and all of that too, but tell us who you talk to, because I, I think I know, but I want you to tell us like, so all of us listening can be on the lookout for opportunities for you to bring this inspiring message to whoever it is you talk to. So tell us. Sure. So my standard stuff is my website is Mm thepenguinlady.com. I'm on social media as the penguin lady. Yep. I'll Um, put all those links in the show notes. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and my email is Diane spelled D Y A N at the penguin lady.com. And I, I speak kind of to all different ages, all different audiences. I speak to schools, K through 12, mm-hmm. universities, libraries, uh, conferences, corporate, I'm doing a few corporate speeches next week. Um, and then my favorite gig is um, on ships going to Antarctica. I've been a guest oh, speaker Jesus. for, oh God, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the best gig ever. It is the best <laughs> gig ever. Um, yeah, the last two trips, I've been, been to Antarctica four times. It's like my favorite place on the planet. It's incredible. Um, and my last two trips were as what's called a global perspectives guest speaker mm. for Lindblad Expeditions and National Geographic, oh, which wow. by the way, was like the big goal, right? When I, yeah. was, I was still working at the aquarium, I'm like, someday I want to be a lecturer for them. Like, <laughs> No idea how that ever is going to happen. Bam! And it it did, and and this is an important thing I will say about that is because it happened because of a high school classmate mm-hmm. that I reconnected with at a high school reunion like six years earlier, and we'd been on Facebook together. And he said, "Hey, I'm doing this thing at the Explorers Club with Lynn Blad Nat Geo. Do you want a ticket?" I'm like, "Yes, please." <laughs> and and he introduced me to you know I the Lindblad guy and yeah. the Lindblad, by, Glenn, Lindblad guy friended me on Facebook the next day. So, <laughs> ah, Facebook, yeah. it all comes back to Facebook. Yeah. So, you know, there's that sort of, um, you never know like what connection you might have, who you might know uh, of sort of that it's going to turn into something that you never dreamed. So yeah. anyway, I'm getting way off track with my no, answer. You're not, you're not. This is a track I want for sure. Um, so yeah, so I, I do, I speak, and, and now of course everything is on Zoom, so I, I can speak internationally, wherever they speak English, I can, I can do a Zoom presentation. So that's what, you know, the last couple of years, everything's been on Zoom. So yeah. the advantage of that is you can speak in so many other places that normally you might not. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I travel locally, internationally on Zoom, nice. love to talk to kids and adults of all ages. I love it. Very cool. So if anybody out there knows of a school that wants to have inspired children who are interested in STEM in ways that children really resonate with, um, I think that would be a great thing. And uh, colleges and universities and their career fairs, they need keynote speakers to talk about following your dreams and not just the yellow brick road, you know, great opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. And I should say too, because, and I didn't quite get into this, but I do speak about there's a lot of topics. So I talk about Shackleton's journey and leadership. Mm. I talk about women in STEM and girls in STEM, uh, about volunteering and mentoring, uh, about penguins, of course, biology, behavior, conservation, virtual journeys to Antarctica. Um, There's a whole range of of topics. Awesome. And those are all sort of listed out on your website. They are. Yes. Okay. That's great. 
Well, you have blown me away. Thank you so much for taking the time for being on the podcast today. It's been very inspiring for me and I'm sure for everyone who heard it as well. So thank you so much for coming. My pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's been really great to talk with you today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for joining us today on Unleashing Your Great Work. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. And make sure you check out the Great Work Journals to get the support you need to get started, stay at it, and unleash your great work out into the world.